the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Fulton, and our guest today is Susan Kushner. Susan's a thought leader in the field of human resource development, highly accomplished organization development and L&D executive who's worked with a broad range of organizations from Fortune 500 corporations to consulting firms to public sector and more. Uh, Most excitingly, she's also the author of a newly released book, Decoding Executives, What They Say, What They Mean, and What You Should Do. It's going to be so fun today to learn more about how to decode executives. So welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Um, It's been so exciting to see the release of your book, and I really love the description and the abstract, you know, that employees sometimes regard the executives in their firms as unknowable, mysterious, and sometimes even see their bosses as uh, dangerous, particularly to the unlucky souls who uh, may run afoul of them. So the result is that many workers can't or don't try to communicate with their higher-ups. I think that's such an interesting opener. I'd love to understand a little bit more about what, what was the catalyst for you writing this book and what was you know where did the idea come from? Well, throughout my career, I've always been extremely curious about how very well-intended employees, typically an executive and another employee, can have a conversation and then have totally different interpretations of what was meant in the conversation and the action that was supposed to be taken. This book talks about well-intended people. This isn't like there's a bad person in the room or anybody who's setting somebody else up for failure. This is for very well-meaning people who just had a disconnect and walk away thinking they understand each other and then realizing that they don't. Um, and I think that may happen to all of us, right? You know, the best intentions into those conversations. And I guess, you know, in your role as HR, you must have seen things, you know, um, go in all sorts of directions. Um, you know, I, I thought there'd be amazing insights for everyone, but um, particularly for those at an early career stage, right? You know, when they're right at the start of their career journey, you know, what do you think are the learnings for that audience? Well, for me, the learnings that I see would be things like most people don't understand that higher ups actually have a different way of speaking. And I like to call it, they speak the language of executive. So rather than French or Russian or German, they're speaking the language of executive and executives don't need to understand employees as much as the employees need to understand executives. In most cases, the executive is the client and really should be treated as such. So this model in this book, Decoding Executive, was really built so that individuals could develop their own guide to their executive, because every executive obviously is different. And the five areas that the book focuses on to help build your own guide to the executive are decision-making and information, formality, and communications, and also data. Those are sort of all together, they come into five different areas. 
I love that, you know, talking executive. Um, and I think we all need to do that. And, you know, given I have the CEO hat, my, you know, my my people kind of know that I do love data, you know, and how's how, you know, we're entering a data-led decision-making era in our business. So, you know, if they help me with providing some data or some evidence or some, you know, anecdotes that support, um, you know, what they're bringing, I, I know that would be something that I'd be wanting to hear from people. So love that sound. So you would be an executive that loves lots and lots of data and maybe even the more data you have, the more that you like because you really make decisions based on this data. I was once working for an executive who wanted to have everything very much boiled down to two or three paragraphs. And by that, I mean, even a focus group that had reams and reams of data, she just wanted it in two or three paragraphs. And it took a while to figure out why, but the reason was because she had an iPhone and she wanted to know the summary just mm-hmm. so that she could read it on the iPhone with having, not, without having to scroll. She had one of those jobs where she got inundated with tons and tons of emails. So that's how she best absorbed it. But to me, I'm thinking, you know, we just had a series of four groups and you want it in that little bunch that, you know, just a couple of paragraphs but she's the client and that's how she absorbed the information. That's amazing. So, you know, that sounds like a real insight in decoding executives and every executive is going to be different, right? So she wants to sound like really powerful. Um, I, you know, I know that we're, you know, um, we are really focused on careers and career development, but, you know, what are you thinking are some of the career competencies that are matter today in our new world of um, the career experience for the, Uh, decade of the 2020s? I think that this is such an amazingly exciting time now for human resource professionals, for employees around, for everyone, if you like change and a lot of change. So we've had a number of new factors enter into our workplace recently. Some of them are responses to COVID, the Great Recession, new technologies, a quicker cadence to work, and so on. So this means that a lot of our competencies need to be modified. For instance, I hear a lot of people that are inundated with with a lot of information, instant messaging, different emails, not just two emails, but maybe six different emails that they have, online newsletters, company announcements, and so on. So they're bombarded by lots of information. So I see a new competency that's emerging now, which would be the ability to integrate information. So those who could take a lot of information that's coming at all different angles, suss out the most important things and act on it, I think will be ahead of the game. Another competency that I I see coming is that of intellectual curiosity. And that is one that we certainly have now, but I think it's higher, it's it's going up in importance. So this would be people who are interested in things like um, technology in whatever space they're in, or hybrid working, or something I'm passionate about is really implementing the gig economy. We see people that are resigning, and many of them want to try different kinds of things. So I think that kind of variety of work is going to be brought into companies in a much more strategic way than it has been until now. 
Yeah, fascinating because I think the gig economy um, is going to be here to stay, you know, for, for a bit longer. Um, I'd love to understand what your thoughts are around the gig economy within organisations and, you know, what does a learning professional need to be able to do to support um, the gig economy within their organisation today? Well, certainly project management and execution are very important and have been for the for as long as I can ever remember. But now with the gig economy, we're going to have to be much smarter about how we bring people into a company for the onboarding and also how do we offboard them. We can't take six months. We can't have people disappear and have to, you know, take a long time to learn and test, et cetera. We've got to really go to more of a micro-learning philosophy, maybe even using gamification or something like that, because people will need to have uh, practice for knowing whatever they need to do. And execution, I I think that we're going to see some shorter assignments. And Mm. we'll see that more people will want to create their own career paths. And that's really important, because I believe that people are often leaving companies, because they want something different. They want a different kind of career path. They want to have more control about where and what they're doing. I think something like the the gig environment will help stretch them. We'll also need to develop a lot of standard work for repeatable processes so that when a new person comes, they can just hit the ground running much more quickly than in a traditional environment. And one of the things that I love about Fuel50 is that you are further ahead than most companies I know, if not all of them, about managing the gig economy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's something that we're really passionate about. And absolutely, as you were saying, it's allowing people to own their futures um, and craft their own way and get access to stretch assignments and projects, you know, that is going to help them grow their skills and competencies. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're deeply committed to that. So, you know, thank, thank you for the reference there. Um, I'd love to understand, you know, um, how you see that playing out in organisations because everyone, you know, uh, what does that mean for the business? leaders, for the employees themselves? I think it means a lot of great things. So for instance, when I go to interview for a new job, often I'm asked about why I made particular moves in my career. And I have something that I say, and I try and make it very organized, etc. But the truth is, sometimes it was because it was a promotion that came and it was part of my career ladder. Other times it was something interesting I wanted to try. Other times it was because some job became available that I thought, hey, why not? So I think we're going to see less of the career ladder, which is a very linear way of moving up in one career, very viable, but I think we're going to see more of the career lattice. So the career lattice to me is a progression pathway that can go in any direction. It can go up, it can go down, sideways, horizontal. So to me, that means that in the employees' terms, that employees don't have to stay in their department necessarily. They can go in other departments and try different kinds of projects. Um, I think that they'll try different kinds of projects because this will expand their careers and then they'll see where they want to land. I see this as very good also for the senior people that may want to test out somebody's skills as long as they keep it organized. Doing something like a career lattice or a gig assignment is very different to me 
than shadowing somebody. Because if you were to shadow me, you'd see me typing on my computer, you'd hear me talk on some meetings, it would kind of look a little flat. But in the gig economy, with a gig assignment, you would be part of the project, you'd have deliverables, you'd have objectives, you would be part of it. And then that's a real test where I as a manager, get something back from you. And you as the employee working on a project could see how you think about it. Freud said, I just saw this recently. Freud said that we neither choose our occupations or spouses for a rational reason. <laughs> I think that's going to be more and more true as we go into this new environment with the Great Recession. Yeah, I I, I love that insight, and uh, you know that that comparison between the you know the ladder and the lattice, and bringing in more of a play factor. I think you know. A, a ladder is so linear and so narrow, you know, that I, I really do think that we are ready for disruption around that. And we we often talk about it as being a little bit more like a um, snow park or a snow field, um, you know, where you're snowboarding down. You've got to choose. You've got to do your homework. You've got to choose the weather, but you've also got to choose, you know, do you want skis? Do you want snowboard? Do you want tramping boots? You know, what do you want to do to use in that playground? So, you know, what are the kind of, um, you know, what, what's the lead? that you're bringing um, who do you want to play with and you know what are the experiences that you want to create along that journey and um, you know we you know to us it's got to be about fun so you love your ideas there (laughs) I love that because we we have made some progress about the dual career path do you want to be a manager or an individual contributor but that's still too narrow we've got to as you said disrupt it and blow it up and make it so that it's more employee-centric yeah. And, and, you know, so, so yes, so, so it's, um, you know, what runs do you want to do? And, you know, when, when the weather turns, you know, you're going to bring out your mountain bike, you know, to play on that same playground. So yeah, to us, it's thinking, you know, in a much more creative way around what um, career experiences need to look like. And I love that reciprocity of learning that you were talking about, you know, so, so the manager benefits from your project contributions, and you're really benefiting from, you know, the, the uh, learning opportunities of working with different people um, and gaining skills along the way absolutely Um, yeah I love the story that you shared with me uh earlier um around the Van Gogh immersion experience I thought that was a great uh story for our audience so what you know can you maybe fill us in a little or fill our uh, audience in on that sure so I recently had the chance to go to the Van Gogh immersion experience and, and I, those are, I believe, all over the world. The one I went to was in uh, New York City. And one of the quotes they showed really resonated with me. It was, if you could hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. To me, that's a very freeing quote. So that says to me, if somebody says you can't do something, whether it's yourself or somebody else, start doing it if you want to. Just try and do it. And then you know what? That voice will go away because you'll be doing what you thought that you couldn't. So it it means that there's fewer limits than there ever have been before and that there need to be. And you control that. 
I really love that, you know, story that, um, you know, we can give it a go. And one of my most inspiring friends, um, when she turned 60, she decided to try something new every year. And, oh, my goodness, she's such an inspiration. And here she is, 85 now, um, and, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things, whether it's, um, you know, dancing on roller skates or horse riding or driving a race car. <laughs> took up knitting, you know, all sorts of things that she'd never tried. So, um, you know, to me, that's really inspiring. And, and don't let our beliefs hold us back. Be- beautiful quote for us to leave on, Susan. So, of course, we could keep chatting, I think, for hours yet. But um, I'd love to wrap up by asking you a question that we pose to all our guests who come on the T- Talent Experience podcast. And, you know, uh, and that is, you know, what do you love most about what you do? I love the creativity. I love finding new ways to do things, whether it's, you know, startup projects or starting up a university or looking at things slightly different. That's what absolutely energizes me. And the more I do of that and practice that skill, the more happy I am. Thank you so much, Susan. That has been such an inspiring session. So thank you to everyone that's joined. And thank you, especially to our guest, Susan Kushner, for joining us and being part of the Talent Experience community. We really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with us and inspire us. And I'm certainly getting a a copy of the book uh, to add to my library and uh, to share with many others. I think it's going to be brilliant. Thanks, Susan. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for getting the book, too. So I'm Anne Fulton. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.